If you'll turn your Bibles, please, to Ephesians. We are continuing there. We are going very slowly. So today we're going to be working on two verses, not one. For me, that's racing. So we'll be working with Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. I'd like to read to you uh, verse 3, which governs all of this uh, section down to verse 14. So hear now the word of the Lord. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And now verse 11. In him we have, abun- we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. This ends the reading of God's holy word. So as I mentioned, the... Uh, passage we're dealing with, verses 11 through 12, are dependent upon verse 3, this blessing of God. So Paul is, is uh, really expanding on the reason why we bless the Lord for his rich spiritual blessings. And he's unpacking them here in verses 11 and 12. Now, in our section, beginning with verse 11... You have in him, verse 11, is parallel with verse 13, in him. So this is actually the first section of a two-part section within our unit that is parallel by in him, in him. Now, in the original, these are in whom. So when you're looking at this, when I'm looking at this, it's in whom. And it's referring back to Christ. In whom, in whom. And I think the best way to render this is actually uh, in whom both we, now verse 13, in whom you also. That's a perfectly legitimate way to render this. Is in verse 11, in whom Both we, now verse 13, in whom you also. So you have this parallelism going on. It's both us as well as you. So you can see that in the section we're dealing with, verses 11 and 12, it's us, we. Paul talking about really, as I will make the case, the Jewish people. Then in verse 13, he turns his attention to the Gentiles, but you as well. So he's talking to us who are not Jewish and including us in the blessings of God. So you don't see these as mutually exclusive exactly, but he's saying something in verses 11 and 12 that are particular to Jewish people. So, this is how I think that should be understood. Uh, both we as well as you. 
And here we're dealing with we. Now, in, uh, in translation work, it could be that you're looking at a translation that has moved things around. Um, and that's really necessary at times. Uh, sometimes you really have to move things around to make sense of things. Um, and this is why when people ask me, you know, which is the most literal translation, um, that's, that's really a, a not... Um, if it's really literal, you wouldn't understand it. <laughs> it. It wouldn't make sense in English. So you always have to adapt what you're looking at to the target language, whatever, you're, whatever language you're dealing with. It has to be transformed into the target language because the language you're dealing with here has its own way of doing things, which is quite different from English. Um, and, you know, in, in Greek in particular, they have something that's called a delay and uh, suspension. And they like to do this at times to make the hearers wait for grammatical resolution. And it kind of puts you on edge. Uh, so they'll open in a certain way and then not conclude it until later. And it kind of makes you wait, and it actually makes you engage more carefully in what's being said. It's a way to draw your attention. I'll never forget reading a particular Greek author, and I was reading the first page of his work, and it had a, uh, it had a construction that was dependent upon a certain verb form that I didn't see. Well, that verb form is on the next page. <laughs> so, you know, he really made me wait. <laughs> Uh, and that's that's just the way this language works. It has different ways of doing things. Um, and that's what's happening here. So when I am dealing with this text, please forgive me if I'm it looks like I'm uh, really um, changing things around. But I'm I'm doing this because I think it brings out what Paul is saying in the original and I don't really care about being literal or, um, uh, you know, it's not, not a good translation exactly, but I'm explaining the meaning of it. That's my goal. Uh, I don't, I'm not much of a translator, but I do try to explain things to you in a clear way. And that's what I'm going to do here. So the, the big idea, I want you to get the big idea of what we're dealing with in this text. Paul says that God has purposed all along that the faith of Israel would bring in the uh, gathering in of the nations, the Gentiles, through the Messiah. Uh, this, is, this is a goal for, for Israel all along. So the tents of Shem in Genesis 9 were always designed to be enlarged. And of course, Shem is where we get Semites. This is the tents of Shem where always going to be enlarged to bring in others from outside. And remember, Abram, his name was changed to Abraham in uh, Genesis 17 because God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And notice it's not just a big nation of Israel. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And when you see that fulfilled 
uh, in Paul's ministry, he, he says, well, yeah, that's what's happening now. All the nations are coming in because Abraham is the father of the Gentiles as well as of the Jews. And that's Romans 4. So this is, this is the goal of Israel all along. And that's what Paul's saying here. That's what he's doing. And I want, I want us to see how that's brought out. Now, in our verse 11, as it opens, we have this verb here. In, who, in whom, or in him, we have obtained an inheritance. This is a difficult verb. This is a difficult word. Uh, it's hard to figure out what it means exactly, because it's kind of unexpected here. And because of that, you actually have, in some translations, um, they have changed it to called. So, in him, we've been called. And that's, a, that's because in some of our manuscripts, some of our early ones, actually, relatively early, and, and uh, good ones, they read that. They read called um, instead of the, what, you know, most manuscripts read. Um, now, the difference is two characters in the original, just two letters of the alphabet. So it's ekleithamen versus ekleirothamen. Ekleithamen, ekleirothamen. Notice how they sound alike, right? Um, and so you have two characters are different here. Uh, and because of that, you have to decide which is original. Now, in the decision of which is original, one of the reasons you pick a certain reading over another, you look at the manuscript character and all that other things. But one of them is you say to yourself, what's a scribe more likely to write? He's more likely to write something that's easier to understand we were called versus this other word. And that's, that's why uh, this other word is original, in my opinion. It's harder to understand. Paul wrote it, and it's less likely that a scribe, a copyist of a manuscript, would change it. I hear you learn a lot more than you really want to do about Greek and manuscripts and all that. But this, you know, I'm not hiding anything from you. This is this is the kind of stuff you have to consider when you're dealing with uh, different manuscripts that have differences. And then it's picked up in different translations. Some choose one reading and some choose another. So you'll have a variation there, even in your English translations. So here's what we have. We're left with this word, which doesn't mean called, and it's translated, have obtained an inheritance. I think this is fine, but it's normally the word for receive a portion, receive a lot. So the lots are cast for your portion to divide up a land. So let's say that you have five people inherit a property, and then they would cast lots to see who takes which acreage. That's, that's what you're dealing with here. here. He's, he's basically saying, uh, in whom we also have been apportioned. This is our portion. This is the part that has been granted to us by lot, as it were. This is where the lot has fallen for us. And that's what he's saying. Now, at this, at this point, you want to jump down to verse 12. 
and see that who he's talking about, we have obtained this lot, this apportioned. Uh, who is he talking about? Well, it's verse 12. We who were the first to hope in Christ. So that's what he's, that's who he's talking about. We who were first hoping in Christ have received this lot, this position. This, this is our calling, our lot. This is where the dice have been thrown and fallen upon us. And brothers and sisters, this now gets to the reason why we Christians have kept our Old Testaments in our Bibles. These are our folk. Because they have enlarged the tents of Shem that we may come in, we who are outsiders to Israel, so that we may join them in this heritage of eternal life through the Messiah. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about. We who hoped ahead of time in, in the Messiah, it was our portion to hope ahead of time in order that it would be for the praise of God's glory in the inbreaking of the Gentiles. Now you know why I read Psalm 117. This is, you know, there's not much of a psalm there. It's just this very few words. But let me read that to you again, Psalm 117. It's this very quick two-verse psalm. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, his people. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. See, his faithfulness to the people of God of the Old Covenant is for the sake of calling all the nations to praise the Lord of Israel. That was their position. That was their lot. Their calling according to God's sovereign plan. This was, this was why God had called Abraham, that he would be the father of a multitude of nations. That was why he was working with them to bring them into this heritage so that we might join Israel in this heritage. And this was in accordance with God's purpose. Uh, this is not by chance. This is not some happenstance. But here he says, verse 11, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Um, I would say when it says works, you want to see that as affected. He brings it to pass. So who works, who predestined according to the purpose of him who brings into effect all things according to the counsel of his will. And one of the things that you're going to find is people say, well, that's redundant. And my answer is, well, yeah, of course it's redundant. It's good redundancy. It's the counsel of his will. There's no mistaking what he's talking about. God takes counsel. That's his will. He, it, you know, the counsel of his will is his counsel is his will. His will is his counsel. You know, he, he, he decided. He made a plan. He determined this. And then he predestined it. This is not something that just happened, you know, happened along the way. And he said, oh, you know, this, it didn't really work out with the Jews. Maybe I'll try something else. You know, this is not how God has worked. And Paul says, what you're seeing before your very eyes, Ephesians, what you're seeing now 
is God's eternal plan coming to fruition. And you're the beneficiaries of this. Don't think that you somehow are extra special. Well, you are. Because God has planned that you be brought in all along. But the Jewish people were special in that they were, they were apportioned this role to, to be to the Jew first and then to the Greek. To them first. That they might come in and bring the nations and call them to join the Lord in this great assembly of people from throughout the world. This is God's plan all along. This is why, brothers and sisters, we live in the consummation of the ages. We live in a new period of time from Paul's, from uh, Jesus' day on. It's a new era, an era of Gentile fulfillment coming in with the Jews. They have never been completely cut off. We pray for Jewish people. We see them coming in to uh, profess Christ. We long to see that increase uh, because God has not rejected His people. There's always going to be a remnant. And He's never uh, cut them off entirely. And then that's part of their, uh, their privilege is to join with uh, all of His uh, people throughout the world uh, as those who profess the Messiah. And here, this, we who hope in Christ, you should understand that as in the Messiah, in the royal son of David. He's still the royal son of David. Uh, and this is God's plan, his purpose, what he is, uh, according to his, the counsel of his will all along. Now, as Paul is writing this, he's writing to the Ephesians, a city in Asia Minor. Ephesus. And Paul had lived in Ephesus and he'd walked the streets of Ephesus. And if you were going to walk the streets of Ephesus, one of the more prominent things you would see on the buildings were carvings with inscriptions. These are carvings with, you know, decrees of the city council would be carved in stone in buildings and just marble plaques. You would see carvings on statue bases. You would see uh, independent uh, tombs with carvings on them. Um, there are thousands of these things, and we found them. And you can read them today. Uh, there's something like 6,000 of them. Very few have been translated into English, but uh, you can still read them. You can see what Paul was seeing as he walked through the city. And one of the things that was very prominent in most of these carvings of the official state government of Ephesus was to good luck. A lot of their decrees opened with to good luck. And, you know, this is, this is Lady Luck. This was a minor deity. Uh, I'm, uh, in the Roman form, it's Fortuna, where we get fortune. Uh, but in the Greek form, this, this was very common in their inscriptions, to good luck. So you put your decree under the, uh, under the oversight of good luck so that this decree bears good fruit. Hopefully good luck will guide this to be a good thing for the state. Uh, and if you want to see this, you turn to the end of Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, verse 21. So you may also may know how I'm, 
how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. So he's the guy to carry this letter to Ephesus, Tychicus. Well, Tychicus is derived from this word for luck in Greek. His name is Lucky. (laughs) So that's what Tychicus means, Lucky. So if you want to know about my affairs, Lucky will tell you. (laughs) And the guy who fell down, fell off the uh, balcony during Paul's long sermon, his name was Eutychus. Good luck. (laughs) He was very lucky (laughs) because he was revived. So the people named their their children after, you know, after luck. This was to put them under the protection of luck. Brothers and sisters, we don't depend on luck. We have a God who directs all things according to the counsel of his will. He brings everything into effect according to a plan. You may not see it yet. But when he brings it to pass, it's a good plan. It's a good thing. We have a God who is in charge of the universe. He's a king of glory. And all of his holy will is nothing but good. So you can trust him. You can entrust your life to him to direct your ways so that he will direct you for good. And, and this is still his purpose. He had directed the ancient people of God that they would be a blessing for the world and the Gentiles. This is still our purpose today. That we might, we who have hoped ahead of time in in the Messiah, we might be for the praise of God's glory among our contemporaries here. The nations, Corvallis, Willamette Valley, Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, America, and the Americas and across the world. This is our mandate. And this is the plan of our God, that his kingdom would still come and his will be done on earth as in heaven. This is what we are working for in the church, knowing that God will accomplish all of his holy will because he accomplishes everything according to his good and gracious purpose. And it's for the praise of his grace. This is something that will come up again. For the praise of his glory and his grace. So the scriptures are unified. The scriptures have this wonderful unity of God's purpose for the world for good. Let me read to you a passage that is going to make me weep, I'm afraid. But this is a passage that is so precious. Because here the Lord in Isaiah 25, verses 9 through Uh, Six through nine. This is a passage that is precious to us. This is the Lord's good and and right purpose. This is the counsel of his will given to us from Isaiah for the peoples of God. Isaiah 25, six. He's talking about Jerusalem. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. 
and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the Lord's will for the world to take away death forever. This is our mandate and why we join the saints of old as part of God's plan to bring in this good word of the gospel into this uh, forlorn, death-ridden world. Let us pray. It is a good thing, O Lord, to be reminded of who you are, the great and exalted one, the all-powerful God, not dependent upon luck as if you had to consult someone else for what you should do. Indeed, O Lord, your counsel is from forever. The counsel of your holy will is good and right. It stems from you, O Lord, for you are most good, most righteous, most holy. And we confess this. And so we marvel at what you have done, O Lord. You have done majestic things. You have chosen your ancient people that we should be the beneficiaries here in this age. And we thank you. We thank you that you had mercy upon us who knew you not and brought us into this place where we have a heritage, a rich uh, feast of the Lamb. And you yourself will wipe away every tear. We thank you and bless you. Help us to live up to that, O Lord, in our callings here in this church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.